0: You are listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, Colorado's conservative podcast, providing insight and thought provoking discussions on Colorado's most critical policy issues. Let's join Michael Fields for today's edition.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Advanced Colorado Rundown with your hosts. My name is George Brockler, and this is Michael Fields. And we are joined today. By um, a self described gigolo. I don't want to overstate that at all, but uh, joining us with uh, joining with us right now, Dave DeVia. Dave, thanks for being a part of this. Yes, sir. Happy to be here. Would you do us a favor? Tell us a little bit about who you are, and then we get into this topic that you're passionate about.
2: Sure thing. Thanks to you uh, for having me on today, Dave yeah. DeVia. I'm a fifth generation Denver native. Uh, and uh, work for mechanical contractors who install plumbing, mechanical, and HVAC systems. Uh, For over 20 years now, I've been an advocate for people experiencing homelessness and been working on projects across this region to help those individuals facing homelessness uh, get the dignity they deserve to be housed and get back on track and become permanently housed. Uh, And it's it's a dream of mine to be able to solve this in our community.
1: Now, what's interesting to me about this is, and I've come to know that the folks in the construction, whether it's residential, commercial, all the other aspects of the industry These are folks that always are part of something that does something on the outside to try to make the community better.
2: What got you fixated on the homeless issue? 20 years ago, I worked for, uh, or I was a board member then of a nonprofit called Growing Home in Westminster, Colorado. And we had an angel investor who gave us an opportunity to uh, put together some matching funds and grants to be able to take families who are experiencing homelessness provide them a transitional transitional path into stable housing for them and their families, and be able to work with them to be able to provide them some type of permanent housing solution. Uh, I took a leave of absence from my employer then uh, to go out and grant raise and fundraise for uh, this effort. And uh, we created uh, a program in the Westminster area called the West Chester Apartments, Uh, And uh, it was an older um, building, apartment building that we rehabbed and uh, provided daytime services, uh, whether it be uh, babysitting or some sort of, uh, you know, stability in housing or programming or resume building to be able to help them transition into more uh, sustainable uh, structures and more sustainable environments for them and their families. And that began my work, and that was over 20 years ago. Uh, Most recently, I became involved in the Common Sense Institute. I did a study this year, uh, or last August, I should say in 2021, uh, about the status of homelessness in the region. I think each one of us that drive down the street or to our favorite restaurant or take walks on the bike path, uh, see people experiencing homelessness and, you know, My passion is to try and do better and figure out ways in which we can support them. And I was very happy to be involved in the Common Sense Institute's efforts to get us an environmental scan of who's spending what money and how it's being invested and try to get our arms around the situation as a whole and how we can move this region forward. Um, We did that in two phases. One was released last uh, spring and one was released last fall. Um, at that time, we were spending last August about $580 million oh my goodness, uh, on combating this problem here in the Denver metro area and uh, Aurora and Broomfield, or I'm sorry, Boulder, um, which is roughly about $100,000 per person experiencing homelessness. Uh, then after last November's election, we saw that number climb from 580 to $800 million. And in this 2022 session, Governor Polis and the legislature prioritized another $200 million uh, to work on combating homelessness. So now we're well over a billion dollars. And I don't think anybody who's listening to your show or you, George, can see that that impact, that spend is reducing the amount of folks that we're seeing on the streets, our fellow Coloradans experiencing homelessness, that we're seeing more people on the streets. We're seeing more tents, more tent cities, and we need to do better. Why isn't a billion dollars enough? And I know Michael's got some questions
1: too, but when you throw out that number, I think to myself, oh my gosh, a hundred grand per person. And that was back when it was half of what it is today. What's not working and why?
2: Well, the irony is, is that we're spending more on a, uh, someone experiencing homelessness than we are to educate a K to 12 student at Denver Public Schools almost by twice. And um, you know, I think, in my opinion, what we have is we have a community of folks that are compassionate about helping to solve this problem. But you know, people who are experiencing homelessness don't, you know, fit every model. There may be a day shelter that allows people who are single or uh, families or their model supports, you know, moms and kids, but no one is taking a look at the problem as a whole. Uh, I contend that homelessness is a symptom. And until we're able to get to that root cause, whether it be a death of a family member, whether it be somebody who was in the military and had a traumatic experience, whether it's somebody who has substance abuse problems or somebody who has a mental, uh, struggles, you know. Until we get to that root cause, I think that homelessness is a symptom of, versus that root cause for. If that makes sense. No, it does.
3: Yeah, and, and Dave, I'm curious. You know, you said you've been around Denver for for a long time now, and it seems like it would make sense that during the pandemic things would get worse. Um, but it seemed like before that, that you know, you know, a couple of years before that, at least there was this spike in in homelessness. Um, And to a point where, you know, we've seen polling that shows over 80% of Coloradans are concerned about it. I think it's an issue that people are in tune to, but we've also seen unemployment rate drop, uh, you know, since the pandemic, I guess, what are some of the other factors that you see as this increase over the last few years uh, in homeless population in, in the Denver metro area?
2: Michael. And so I think that there's a couple of different uh, beliefs. Um, I am not a homelessness expert. I've only been working on this now for you know more than 20 years. Uh, but my belief is we have different populations and each population requires a different solution. So we have those who are experiencing mental and substance abuse issues. Those probably are separate, but I'll put those together. You have those who have seen their rents rise by some number, or the housing crunch, or the affordability crunch. And that that group, again, I'm probably paraphrasing or populating those inappropriately together. Um, and then you have a community of folks who, you know, just may not necessarily want to comply by whatever rules those individual programs have and may be transitory for some reason or another. Again, we're, de- we're trying to address a symptom, uh, but we're not getting to that root cause. And so I think there's a culmination of different problems or different um, uh, conflicts that are causing those different populations to be experiencing that homelessness in this region. Um, and you know, to be frank with you, it started out as a Denver Metro area, Um, And now I think you can drive to Aurora. I think you can drive to Jefferson County. I think you drive to Pueblo, Colorado Springs, Larimer County, Fort Collins. It isn't just a Denver metro area issue any longer. So what we need is some statewide leadership and some statewide solutions that help us address this in a common sense way.
1: Um, You may recall that the mayor of Aurora, a guy named Mike Kaufman, went deep, deep, deep undercover with the homeless for the better part of a decade or something like that. It seemed like a long time. Um, And one of the things he came away with was this, and you touched upon this, was the notion that there is a portion of that population that is just choosing that lifestyle. In your experience, in your sense, what percentage of the folks experiencing homelessness fit into that category Versus the ones who, if they had an option different than the one that they're in, they would
2: take it? You know, I think that's a great question. And I think depending on who you ask, we'll come up with a different number. I would say 20 to 25% are likely in that category of no matter, because again, their lifestyle doesn't fit the model in which the programs are being offered. So maybe a husband and wife, maybe a husband and wife and a dog, um, and some either whether it be temporary housing or immediate, you know, shelter type scenarios won't accept their unique solution or situation. Um, there may be others that don't accept children or there may be people who have drug addictions that can't get the treatment they need to be able to solve that problem to then qualify for one of these programs. But my estimation is probably about 25 percent, 2025.
3: You know, I, I'm thinking about all this money that you talked about being dumped in uh, to try to fix this problem, and you know things aren't aren't getting better right now. I guess how do we get to a more result results results oriented and results uh, res- <laughs> results oriented uh, you know standards in terms of how we're spending this money? you know, I'm thinking about this in terms of, of mental health in, in Colorado. You know, there was a big uh, group that got together uh, last year and said, look, we're spending all this different money on mental health throughout the system. It's not working. Uh, how do we get on the same page on that? I guess, how does that happen in terms of homelessness too?
2: That's well, funny you mentioned that, Michael, because um, just this week I was meeting with the Common Sense Institute team and we started, you know, taking a look at how do we Take our research and the product that we had and take it to that next level. Because I think what we offered was that environmental scan and that systems map, which showed how money comes in and out of the system and how people come in and out of the system. And so, from that perspective, the challenge was how do we then? take our research to that next level. And so we're just beginning to embark on looking at those best practices, looking at that return on investment. How is that money being spent? What is the most effective way in which to spend those dollars with, which delivers the best outcome? Because everybody, I think, I speak for all Coloradans, everybody has a compassion to help address this issue. Everybody may have a different way in which to do it what we have to find out is what's the best bang for the buck and how do we uh, adequately invest dollars in a way that take people from the streets and put them into a better housing product and on a better path. And so you're going to see uh, in uh, later this year uh, that work product where we study Programs like Loaves and Fishes in Austin, like San Antonio has a campus, Nashville has a campus. There are other programs across this country that we think have done some things really well, and then we want to hopefully learn from those uh, mistakes they made along the way, and rally this community around a solution that works for us here, in a way that is more humane than we're dealing with this now, because. Pouring more money into a cauldron and, and expecting the different results is is what we've been doing, and we we are getting more of the same, and the numbers are increasing, and that's not, I don't believe, helpful to anybody. Dave,
1: um, it sounds like the road to homelessness is paved with good intentions and a whole lot of money, the, and I was going to ask you, what other programs are out there that you're seeing in the country, and you gave us a few of them, are those programs more efficient and effective at accomplishing what we're trying to accomplish here at a lower dollar amount than what we're spending right now to get really no good
2: outcomes? Now, for example, the San Antonio campus, what they did is they got the private community of investors and they got the public sector and nonprofits that are dealing with uh, homelessness and they got them all together and said, "Let's, let's try and build a campus. Let's try and build a program where we can offer services. So as you intake someone, whether they be dealing with a mental issue or a substance abuse issue or you know, situational uh, homelessness, let's take and put those programs in one place so those individuals can go from agency to nonprofit to funding groups, to be able to kind of help that one person in one spot. Because if you're homeless, you're likely don't have a car, You likely don't have a phone. So if you come to me and I say, okay, here's my great program and I'm going to help you with X. Now I want you to get in your car and drive across down, you know, the metro area and you got to go see this nonprofit to get X, Y, and Z vouchers or uh, babysitting or whatever it is. You know, we're, we're providing services where we are versus where they are. And I think that's what we're looking for is who has done that the best and how do we deal with the different segments of people experiencing homelessness in a more homogeneous way, in a more campus type of approach. And I don't know what that research is going to look like and who's done it best, but that was one program I was pretty intrigued by. It, in the last question, I know you got to go, you're very busy. Um, if someone's
1: listening to this and they're like, I want to do something today, I want to do something to make a difference today, where would you steer that person?
2: Well, I would tell them to visit the Common Sense Institute's website, take a look at our homelessness environmental scan in that we have outlined what programs are doing what for individuals. There are faith based, there are uh, non-denominational, there are government programs, there are county programs and city programs and that environmental map or that systems map really gives people a uh, kind of a picture of who's doing what and in what space and how best they could plug into uh, big nonprofits like the United Way and others have really engaged in this. Um, and, you know, th- those nonprofits are outlined there as well. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of folks, I think, who are doing great jobs. Urban Peak is another one that is doing yeah, yeah. great jobs for, for young adults experiencing homelessness, teenagers. Uh, and so, you know, I would give that a look for sure. On a scale of nine
1: to ten, uh, how much are you wanting Michael to engage in an undercover operation like Mayor Kaufman?
3: Only if it's less than what would you say? Te- Kaufman's was ten years. I think it was actually part of a, a A weekend or, or it, was was a week. it, it was a week. It was a week. Yeah, um, it
2: seemed like
1: it was
3: a
2: decade. I. <laughs> well, I'll I'll sponsor. You know what? I'll I'll sponsor one night for you.
3: <laughs> night? All right. I'll I'll do it. But Um, but you
2: have to do seven nights in order for you to get that one night. (laughs) I'll
3: talk it over with the family. But Dave, uh, thanks for for coming on and sharing. First of all, what you do personally, but then also on the policy front, we'd love to have you back on when more of the studies come out, when more ideas come out about how to better spend that money. I think it's important. And it is, as I mentioned, an issue that's very important to Coloradans in general, and it should be. So appreciate the work that you're doing. We'd love to have you back on.
2: Absolutely. Happy to do it. Thank you. Thanks, sir. Talk to All you right. soon. Bye-bye.
1: Hey, that was uh, Dave DeVia, a wonderfully busy man who's got a real passion to do great things, and I'm just so thankful he could join us. Um, Michael, thanks again for putting this together. That was fantastic.
3: Yeah, it was great to have him on, and uh, we'll have some, some more people on in the future that have a lot of good things to say, trying to tackle a lot of these issues uh,
1: that are important to the state. Yeah, if if this is your first podcast, uh, like it, love it, subscribe to it, pretty please, and send it around and then listen to the other ones. There isn't a dud in the whole group, maybe the first one that you and I did that was largely just (laughs) us. But other than that, uh, they've all been fantastic. For sure. All right. Talk to you soon. Next time on Advanced Colorado.
0: You've been listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown brought to you by Advanced Colorado, the conservative thought leader driving dialogue and solutions to Colorado's most critical policy issues. Find them at AdvanceColorado.org.